Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. God wants to extend your reach and stretch you out. All the difference between something being out of your reach and in your reach is just a, just a stretch. So we're declaring this is the year we're going to stretch out. So say it with everything you got. Say stretch out. Come on, say it like you had your coffee today. Say stretch out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we'll be talking about for the next few weeks. Would you stand with me to honor the reading of God's word? Are you ready to hear the word? Oh, if you're ready to hear it like I'm ready to preach it, something's going to happen in here today. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter number 4. I want to look at it, verses 8, maybe down to verse 37. I know that's a lot of scripture, especially if this is your first time in church. You're like, oh my goodness, all that. Well, come on, we're in a fast, so you need to feed on the word of God. So I'm helping you, I'm helping you. 2 Kings chapter 4, we'll start at verse number 8. Thank you so much, Mr. Ezra, for giving me that soft, beautiful, spiritual music behind me. 2 Kings chapter 8, I'm sorry, chapter 4, starting in verse 8. When you're ready to read it, say yeah. yeah. If you're not ready, say hold up. All right, I heard the hold up. For what? It's on the screen. Come on. 2 Kings chapter 4, I want you to find it. I know it's Old Testament. It might take you a minute. And it says, one day, Elisha passed through Shunem. A leading lady of the town, other versions say a wealthy woman, talked him into stopping for a meal. Then it became his custom. Whenever he passed through, he stopped by for a meal. I'm certain, said the woman to her husband, that this man who stops by with us all the time is a holy man of God. Why don't we add on a small room upstairs? Let's enlarge our space. Let's furnish it with a bed and a desk and a chair and a lamp. Get on Amazon. Let's order it. So that when he comes by, he can stay with us. And so it happened that the next time Elisha came by, he went into the room and lay down for a nap. Then he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the Shunammite woman I want to see her. He called her. She came to him. Through Gehazi, Elisha said, you've gone far beyond the call of duty in taking care of us. What can we do for you? Do you have a request we can bring to the king or to the commander of the army? She replied, nothing. I'm secure and satisfied in my family. I'm good, fam. I'm good. Elisha conferred with Gehazi. He said, there's got to be something we can do for her, but what? Gehazi said, well, I was scrolling on her Instagram page and her Facebook and... It's not a picture of any children. It's just her and her husband. He old, real old. So call her in, Elisha said. He called her, and she stood at the open door. Elisha said to her, this time next year, you're going to be nursing an infant son. She said, oh, my master, oh, holy man, don't play games with me. Teasing me with such fantasies. I love it. Can you hear her saying it? That's why I use the message translation. She's like, don't play. Have you ever been there before where you were hoping, dreaming, 
believing for something year after year, and finally you resolved, I'm good, I don't need it, I'm fine. Don't play game. And then God speaks to you, and you're like, God, don't play. Don't, don't get my hopes up again. Don't make me start believing again. I've been there. I've done that. I've actually resolved. I'm good. Don't play games. I mean, let's just contextualize this. This is the equivalent of Elisha saying to her, this time next month, the Dallas Cowboys will be holding a Super Bowl championship. This time. Next month. And I don't want to reduce having a son to a championship. But there are some parallels. Because when you've been believing, <laughs> year after year, wearing your jersey, hoping, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to not put an expiration date on your expectancy. Start to shrink back and say, well, we did win championships back in the day, you know, with Emmett and Troy and them. <laughs> but Elisha wouldn't let her. He wouldn't let her. Look at what he says. Ooh, it came to pass. It came to pass. Everything he said, it came to pass. And so the woman conceived a year later, just as Elijah had said. The child grew up. One day, went to his father, who was working with the harvest hands, complaining. So he's a real kid. He's complaining. My head, my head. I love this dad. He does what every competent, capable dad does when your kid comes to you with an issue. Go see your mama. Go, go talk to her. The servant took him in his arms and carried him to his mother. He lay on her lap until noon and died. She took him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut him in alone, and left. She then called her husband and said, get me a servant and a donkey so I can go to the holy man. I'll be back as soon as I can. But why today? This isn't a holy day. It's neither new moon or nor, nor a Sabbath, she said. Look at, look, look at what she said. I love this message translation. Don't ask questions. I need to go right now. Trust me. She went ahead and saddled the donkey, ordering her servant, take the lead and go as fast as you can. I'll tell you if you're going too fast. And so off she went. She came to the holy man at Mount Carmel. The holy man spotted her while she was still a long way off and said to his servant, Gehazi, look out there. Why, is that the shoot of my woman? Quickly now. Ask her, is something wrong? Are you all right? Your husband? Your child? She said, everything is fine. Her baby boy is dead in the room she made in her house. You talking about everything is fine? But when she reached the holy man at the mountain, she threw herself at his feet and held tightly to him. Gehazi came up to pull her away, but the holy man said, leave her alone. Can't you see she's in distress? But God hasn't let me in on why. I'm completely in the dark. Then she spoke up. Did I ask you for a son, master? Didn't I tell you, don't tease me with false hopes? For the benefit of brevity and your feet that's hurting right now, let's jump down to verse 32. <laughs> Elisha entered the house. Elisha went to the house with her, and he entered and found the boy stretched out on the bed dead. He went into the room and locked the door, just the two of them in the room, and prayed to God. He then got into the bed 
with the boy, covered him with his body, mouth on mouth, eyes on eyes, hands on hands. As he was stretched out over him like that, the boy's body became warm. Elisha got up and paced back and forth in the room again. And then he went back and stretched himself upon the boy again. And the boy started doing something that is illegal in 2022. (laughs) He started sneezing. You do know that you cannot sneeze in this current context in which we live. You do better to pass gas than to sneeze in public right now. I was in Atlanta airport last week and saw a lady walking through the airport and just, not seven times, just once. Ha-choo! And I said, uh, TSA, come here real quick. I don't want to be a snitch. She just sneezed. I don't know what is over there. Sneezed seven times. Opened his eyes called Gehazi and said, get the Shunammite woman in here. And he called her. She came in. Elijah said, embrace your son. She fell at Elijah's feet, face to the ground in reverent awe. Then she embraced her son and went out with him. Can you say amen and give God some praise? Because that is good stuff. Ooh, y'all got to pray for me today. Don't sit down yet. Just hold on just one second. <laughs> What's wrong with y'all? You know, I got to keep standing after you sit. You good? This text, uh, I got more text than I have time. There's so much in this, but I do real quick want to hone in on verse 28. Because when she got to Elisha, after her baby boy was dead, look at what she said. Did I ask for a son, master? Didn't I tell you don't tease me with false hopes? I didn't even ask for this. And That's what lit up when I read it. And I want to talk to you today, not long, about three and a half hours from this title. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. Would you bow your heads with me, Father? Thank you for your presence and thank you for your word. God, your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word will stand forever. So, God, I ask that you would transcend my thoughts, my words, even my vocabulary, and you would speak with specificity to the hearts of every single person in this room and watching online. God, when we leave here today, let us not say we were entertained, but let us say we were drastically changed by your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, everybody said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I didn't ask for this. As soon as I said my title today, if you resonated with that title, then you understand that whenever you say, I didn't ask for this, that is the cry of somebody who is being stretched stretched out. I don't care what's coming against you. I promise you when you are being stretched out either verbally or internally at some point, maybe right before your breaking point, you will say, I didn't ask for this. It is the heart cry of people who are being stretched out. How many of you would be honest even by a showing of hands to say, you know what, Pastor Robert, I am being stretched right now. I see your hand if you're in stretch right now. Look at all these hands. Somebody tell me, Pastor, can we get a new word for 2022? 
Because I ain't got no more to stretch. I have no more to give. One more time. Let me see your hand. You're being stretched out right now. Look at all the hands in this room of people who would be honest and say, I'm being stretched out right now. And here's what's intriguing. All of us are being stretched out for different reasons. Please don't even default to something negative or something painful. Some person who lifted up their hand is being stretched out, not because of pain, but more so because the promise of God has actually come to pass in their life. Somebody is being stretched out right now, not because things are going bad, but because things are going good. They are being stretched out because they have been ushered into their destiny. They've been ushered into their purpose. They are being stretched out right now because they have actually reached a level of success that is bringing stress that they were unaware of. And yes, they're happy. And yes, they're praising God. And they're thanking him for the blessing. But the blessing feels like a burden. Because they're being stretched out. Oh, I'm telling you, the blessing of God will stretch you. Be careful. Next time you say, Lord, would you just bless me? Would you just enlarge my territory? Make sure you're ready to pay the property taxes. When God enlarges your territory, I'm telling you, there are sometimes a stress that comes with success. Moving into a new realm and a dimension that you've never been before. Getting to an opportunity that you feel unqualified for. Sometimes it's navigating the people around around you who are stuck on a story of who you used to be and don't understand who you are now and so now you got to manage the weight of the blessing and their insecurity and their pettiness and their jealousy and say how you mad at me I didn't ask I didn't ask for this isn't that crazy some people are jealous of the thing you didn't even ask for God just gave it to you Some of us are being stretched out because of a blessing. Some of us are being stretched out because of the uninvited pain, because of the call from the doctor from a report that was just a checkup, and now it's gotten worse. Some of us are being stretched out because of the divorce papers that were served to us that we were not expecting to get. Some of us are being stretched out because of a promise, and some of us are being stretched out because of pain. But irrespective of both, when you are stretched out, you will say, I didn't ask for this. And how do I get my equilibrium when I'm being stretched? I'll never forget when I got a trainer for the first time. This is before OTF. Please pay me. I got a trainer. I got a trainer. I got a personal trainer. You know how you do every year. I'm trying to take my fitness to another level. And I got this trainer. I was so excited. The reason I was excited, because I saw somebody else who had a trainer. And I think you ever seen somebody's results? You're like, what's your process? Not for real. What you eat? How much kale? Because I'm trying to get there. (laughs) Somebody told me they had a personal trainer. I'm like, oh, that's it. Oh, that's why I ain't got a six pack. I ain't got a trainer. (laughs) So I get this trainer and I'm so excited. You know, your first training session is exciting, right? Oh, they do the little thing, take your little fat and get your weight. What's your goals? Oh, yeah, here's my goals. And they write your little meal plan. It's all good. We got the first workout. The first workout was actually good. We did free weights. I was good. We did cardio. Hurt a little bit. I was good. We did plyometric stuff. It was good until one day that I will never forget. He pulled out a piece of equipment. That when I first saw it, I started laughing. I was like, what is that? But I didn't laugh long because this piece of equipment almost took my life. This piece of equipment almost killed me. This piece of equipment is no game. It's no joke. Fact, I brought it here today. I brought this. You know, I got to give you a visual for you ADD people. So bring 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 out that big old piece of equipment. Bring it out real quick. Bring it out. 
Actually, I'm tripping. It's not even big. That's what's crazy. It's in my pocket. It's in my pocket right now. He brought out the people that didn't give a reaction ain't worked out. He brought out this band. They call it a resistance band. This little thing right here that looks like a headband almost took me out. I will never forget. He, he got some weights. He got some weights. It wasn't even heavyweight. It was lightweight. He said, all right, take the lightweight in your hand. I said, okay, cool. He said, I want you to do three sets of 15 with the lightweight with this on your wrist. I said, oh, pff, I'm good. Why do I pay you? This is too easy. So I started going. He said, no, 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 no. Not like that. I said, what? He said, it only works if you, if you stretch out. He said, if there is no tension in the resistance band, it is not going to do what it needs to do. He said, you know it's working when you got some tension. You know you're working muscles that you've never worked before when you got some tension. He said, if you lose the tension, you are not doing what the resistance band was supposed to do. He said, so do it while you keep the tension. And when I kept the tension, I'm telling you, I felt like somebody was pouring acid on my muscles. Then they took it to a whole other level. He said, put it on your legs. I said, what? He said, put it on your legs. I said, what is this? Put it on my legs like this. He said, spread it out. Keep the tension. Here I am doing all these squats with the tension. And the next day, ow! I'm not playing with you. I had pain in muscles I didn't even know I had. I couldn't even lift up my hand and my legs were hurting too. This is how I was walking around. <laughs> Just in so much pain, being stretched out. Text him immediately. Said, hey man. He said, what's up? I said, great workout. He said, good. See you Thursday. I said, I'll be there. Uh, but no bands. No resistance bands. He replied back, no bands, no workout. I said, huh? He said, yeah. No bands. No workout. He said, when we started this journey, you gave me a picture of what you wanted to look like. He said, you told me you wanted to be ripped. You put up the picture of the rock and said, you want them little squigglies right there? He said, if you don't want to use the bands, he said, I cannot do the workout because that means you are committed to the picture but you're not committed to the process. He says, so if I'm going to train you, if you want to be ripped, we need the resistance. Homeboy pulled out another band. (laughs) With more resistance. There I am, shaking like I caught the Holy Ghost. Going, I didn't ask for this. (laughs) Isn't it funny how we want to be ripped, but we don't want the resistance? Isn't it funny how we want a miracle? Oh, I talk to people all the time, say, I want a miracle. I'm believing God for this miracle. I really know this is my year to get my miracle. In fact, how many of you will testify? You want a miracle. There's a miracle you're believing for. A miracle, miracle. You want a miracle? Okay. Isn't it funny how everybody wants a miracle But nobody wants a situation that necessitates a miracle. You understand that the prerequisite for a miracle is a problem. 
You cannot have a miracle without having a problem that is stretching you, that is making you get on your knees and say, God, I don't know what to do, that does not match your mind. You cannot have a miracle unless you have a problem or an issue that necessitates a miracle. As a matter of fact, the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity for a miracle. The bigger the obstacle, the bigger the moment God can step in and show you that I brought that in your life and it wasn't by your might. It wasn't by your power. It was by my spirit. It was by my hand that that came to pass. Stop asking for a miracle if you don't want any problems. You cannot have a miracle without a problem. You cannot have a resurrection without a death. You cannot have something be brought back to life until it first dies. Resurrection is what is at the forefront of my text today. This prophet, Elisha, not to be confused with Elijah, God used him powerfully to bring a boy who was dead back to life. Hear me, of all the miracles that are in your Bible, the one that is at the top of the list that I see, there's a lot of miracles. Come on. Eyes open that were blind. Deaf ears open. People who were lame, get up and walk. I mean, come on, one time Jesus put tax payments in a fish, and they paid their taxes, took two fish, five loaves, multiplied it, everybody, all those miracles are great, but none of those are like resurrection. A resurrection is on a whole nother level because there is nothing that is as final as death. How many of you have something in your life that you wish you could undo? Wish you could just go back and undo it. You realize there are some things that cannot be undone. Once it's done, it is done. Death is one of those things up until Jesus revealed he is the resurrection and the life. And the word of God shows us places and moments where death was final and then God stepped in. But death is different and resurrection is different because of the finality of death. There are some things that are just final. You can't unbake cookies that you burnt. You can't uncut your hair after it's been cut. There are some things that once it's done, you can't unrun a red light. When you get pulled over, say, hold up, officer, let me, let me go back, let me go back, fix it. No, 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 it is done. That's what death is. It is final. And the hope that we have in this gospel is that you serve a God who brings dead things back to life. He does not make bad people good. He makes dead things, dead situations, dead marriages, dead relationships, dead things come back to life. That is the hope and the anchor of our gospel. Did you serve a God that has resurrection power? In the Gospel of John, he personifies it. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. Look at it. That's what Jesus said. So I was drawn to this text because of the resurrection power that was in Elisha. He brings this boy who was dead back to life. But no wonder he brought him back to life. Don't forget who his mentor was, Elijah. Elijah. I love Elisha because he left everything to follow Elijah. He was a ride or die, all in, 100% committed person. Shout out to all the volunteers at Social Dallas that make this moment possible. The people that were here early in the morning, that was Elisha. As soon as he realized that he was getting a call from God to follow Elijah, he was a little farmer. You would have known him as a farmer, not a miracle worker, as a prophet. But he gets a call from God and homeboy leaves his farming equipment. In fact, he sets it on fire and said, I'm rolling with you, Elijah. Wherever you go, I am with you. He was one of those people... 
that you couldn't get rid of. He didn't get easily offended. He had the fortitude. He had the tenacity. He had the stick to to say, I don't care what you say or what you do. I know God has called me. He's called me for this time and for this moment. So I'm riding with you, Elijah. I was with him all the way up to the moment Elijah was taken up. But before he was taken up, he prayed this prayer. He said, give me a double portion of your spirit. And he got it. Because how many know Elijah was the first person to do a resurrection? But Elisha, oh, he didn't just resurrect this boy. Do you know that when Elisha died, they were burying another man right next to Elisha. And all of a sudden they got scared because some enemies came to the graveyard. So the man that they were burying, they threw into the grave of Elisha. And the Bible says that when that dead man's body touched the bones of Elisha, that dead man came back to life. You know you bad to the bone when your bones resurrect people. When you got resurrection in your femur. Resurrection in my patella just (laughs) raised him back to life. He's a powerful man of God. He's all of a sudden brought in a situation where he not only speaks for a woman to have a baby, but the baby that dies is brought back to life. But before I get to the resurrection... What intrigues me is not the resurrection. It's what preceded the resurrection. And what preceded the resurrection is not nothing real spiritual. It's not even anything special. It's not anything that you would do a Holy Ghost two-step on. Do you know why this woman who's called the Shudamite woman because she lives in Shunem, do you know why her story is in the Bible? Not because of the resurrection, not because of her boy. It's simply because of one thing, an invitation. That's all it was. An invitation. The reason we know about this boy and this resurrection is because Sister Shunem sent a text message to Elisha. said, hey, Elisha, the prophet, would love for you to come over the house today. I'm cooking collard greens, hot water cornbread, and ham. That, that's what it's, it started with something as simple as an invitation. Would you just say invitation? I think people negate the power that is in the simplicity of an invitation just to invite somebody before the resurrection was an invitation when was the last time that you invited somebody into your space into your circle when was the last time that you invited God into the area that you don't want him in oh y'all not gonna talk to me today there is power in an invitation just to invite somebody. I'll never forget when we were at the Hi-Fi and we were having our first service. It's now the Echo Lounge. I'll never forget our first Easter service. We were launching, and uh, we found out at the time that Mark Cuban owned that establishment. And we sent an invitation to Mark Cuban. And one of my friends was clowning me. He's like, for real? He was laughing. He's like, for real? You think he's going to come? I said, I know he ain't going to come if he don't get invited. I said, you, I got to put out an invitation for me to get rejected. Some of you don't ever step out and invite because you've already fabricated a response in your mind and you've never made an invitation with your mouth to say, I'm inviting you to this place. God, I invite you into this area. There is power in just an invitation. Somebody say invitation. Isn't that crazy that simply the generosity of her hospitality is what started the miracle? Just an an invitation. What turns a familiar face into a faithful friend? An invitation. What turns a business idea into a business meeting? An invitation. 
What turns a guy going, ooh, that girl over there is fine, to, ooh, that girl over there is my wife? An invitation. <laughs> now, notice I use that illustration appropriately. Guys, ladies, stop inviting yourself into a man's life saying, please go out with me. Please see. Don't invite yourself and then wonder why he don't see your value when you invited yourself. I knew I wasn't going to get a whole lot of amens, but it's right. Please. What you doing tonight? No. Let him pursue you. Don't invite yourself. You ever been to Chinatown? Been to Chinatown, New York, Chinatown? Louis bag, you know you can get a Louis bag in Chinatown. 350, you know? And all of them coming up to you. Hey, don't you want a bag? Hey, don't you want a bag? Hey, can you get it? Look at this bag. Look, I got, I got that one. What you, what you like? What you like? Which one? This new. Inviting himself. Go to the real Louis Vuitton. See if they beg you to buy a bag. They might not even look at you. Oh my goodness. Can you afford this store? Stop inviting yourself. Sidebar. Invitation. What, what, turned, what turned fishermen and disciples into apostles? An invitation. Come follow me. I have a dream, a vision of a church that is so hospitable that we invite. Not the people that look like you, talk like you, vote like you. But we would be invitational to everybody. That we would host people and the presence of God. It is amazing to me the people that are so good, they think, at hosting the presence of God, but are horrible at hosting people, the thing that he loves. How can you be so connected to God and you treating people like dirt and you wearing sunglasses inside? This is a gospel of an invitation. Come, all who are thirsty. Come, invitation. So this woman... Goes to her husband, Shunammite, Sister Shunammite. Can you see her? Saying, babe, we got a guest. Guess who's coming to dinner? And her husband says, who? Elisha. He's like, you invited him? He's like, yeah, he replied too. He's like, okay. And the Bible is clear. She is wealthy. So the girl has money. She has money. And so I can see her husband going, well, should we do the usual? Get the caterers? So Shunammite is like, no, it's not a politician. It's a prophet. She says, I'm going to cook. I'm going to cook. Say, you're going to cook? Yes. I love Sister Shunabite because she was wealthy, but she still wasn't afraid to get in the kitchen and throw down. That means the money hadn't changed her. She still has some humility with it. Oh, I love people that God can bless and you don't start changing. I love people that have humility. Did I cook? I still got this apron. I still know what I'm doing. Don't get it twisted. She cooks a whole little meal. Elisha comes and eats. And here's how I know she was a good cook. The Bible doesn't say it, but here's how I know. It says Elisha kept coming. Come on, keep it 100, fam. You are not going to keep coming to somebody's house that can't cook. You would have ate that bad casserole the first time. Be like, oh, God bless you. Yes, great conversation. What's up? Sugar, throw it out. Started with the invitation. And they're eating. And I don't know if it was the first meal or the fifth meal. But at some point, the invitation shifted. From invitation, don't miss this, to perception. The Bible says that she looked at her husband and she says, I perceive that this is a holy man from God. 
Her spirit perceived something. You got to stretch from invitation to perception. It was her perception that realized this is not just a meal. This is a moment. This is a moment. And you do know that all moments in your life are not created equal. There are some moments that will change the trajectory of your life forever. There are some moments that you will never be the same after that moment. And one prayer you should be praying at the beginning of this year is saying, God, open up my eyes so I don't miss my moment. Don't let me be at a meal thinking I'm just eating collard greens when this is actually a catalytic moment that's going to change my life forever. Help me see things the way you see things so I don't miss my moment oh I'm telling you there are some things you will never perceive until you are connected with God to see this is not just about you eating this is about your destiny this is about your purpose do you know that God can be doing something new in your life and you don't even perceive it give a scripture for it okay Isaiah Isaiah 43 look at it verse 19 see I'm doing a new thing now it springs up do you not hello do you not I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The prophet says first, see, I'm doing a new thing. Then he says, I'm doing it, but can you perceive it? The question of whether God is going to do something new in your life this year is not whether he's going to do it. It's whether you're going to perceive it. That's why we're fasting. That's why we're seeking the face of God. God, don't let me miss a moment. And reduce a moment to a meal because I didn't perceive that this was something more. She saw it. And because she saw more, she said, I can do more. If you see more, you can do more. So look what sister girl did. She goes from invitation to perception to, watch this, action. Action. She looked at her husband and said, here's what we're going to do. She said, we're going to build another level on this house. We're going to build another level, and we're going to make sure Elisha has him a room. This is the first Airbnb in the Old Testament. She said, I'm going to build a little room because every time Elisha comes in, he's looking for a place to stay. So let's build another room. And that was her action. Somebody say action. Oh, come on. Somebody say it with faith. Say action. Oh, God, give us some people who don't just know how to invite, who just don't know how to perceive, but will actually take some action. I know that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, but how many know there are some things that you got to put some action to by faith, by faith. You know what I'm doing right now? We are currently calling buildings, calling buildings millions of dollars, just seeing what property is for sale. You know why? Because I got to put some action to the thing I'm believing for. I'm not just going to sit here and say, God, we need a building. I'm going to say, how much that cost? 20 million? All right. I got to find out where the building is first and put some action. Oh, somebody give God a 10-second praise break if you say, this is my year to be about that action. I'm about that action, boss. About that action. You're doing a whole lot of talking. Where's your action? Show show me. Let me see where your faith has actually been put into action. How many love Pastor Manny's word last week? Wasn't that so good? Got out of an apartment and got a house. Why? Faith in action. I'm going to have a baby. Your faith has got to have some. She did not call on Jehovah. She called Joanna and Chip and said, y'all, come over here. Because I'm trying to figure out how we can add Another layer to this room. She went to Home Depot. 
See, some of y'all want to shoot, bo, 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 but go to Home Depot. <laughs> go to Home Depot. No, because that's easy. It's so much easier to go show, bo, 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 bo. Then to go, hey, where's the two by fours? Uh-huh, yeah, where's the nails? That's harder. Action. Faith without works. Can you see her? Building. She built. Ooh, I love it because when she built that house, oh, sorry, the Bible's clear. When the house, it was another room. One verse says an upper room. So it's a top, on top of the room she had. Because when you've perceived that this is more than a moment and you're about that action, you can no longer stay at the level that you are. She said, I got to go to a whole nother level. So she builds another level, another room on top. She builds oh, another story. When they built that room, the house went from one story to two story. I didn't grow up in Shulam. I didn't come from money. So when I was young, I would see people with two-story houses. As soon as I pulled up to a two-story house, I'm like, oh, daddy, they rich. <laughs> My dad, you know, he's Nigerian. Why do you think they are rich? I said, they got two stories. He said, that does not mean they are rich, okay, boy? It just means they have two-story house. <laughs> and they might be in debt. And don't you get in debt, okay? You need to have a financial plan for your life. Welcome to my childhood. You built another story. So it went from one story to two story. Two story house. She'd only had a two story house in her life. Excuse me, in the house. She had a two story in her life. This was a two story life. I told some of you last week, some of you do not need a new year. You need a new story. Because you've been stuck on one story. One story of your past. One story of your failure. Do you know this woman had the opportunity to stay stuck in one story? One story of like, ah, oh, all my friends have babies. I've never been able to give birth. One story. I got all this money and got this space and can't even build a nursery. One story. Is your head down because you're stuck on one story? Maybe you need another story. She adds another story. Here's the second story. Second story is I might not have the wood to make a nursery, but I have the wood to make a space for the man of God, somebody that God is using to do the miraculous. I can still be hospitable and make sure Elisha is not wasting money at the Marriott. He can come over to my house. She put a bed, a chair, table. I can see Elisha going up to the room. You know she was so excited to show up. Oh, you ready? Close your eyes. No, close. I know you're a prophet, but close your eyes. Some of y'all get that tomorrow. <laughs> she's like, open them. And Elisha's looking at this space. And he's going, I didn't ask for this. I love that Elisha didn't ask. But she took the initiative to make a move. And have action. Does God have to ask you to do everything? For real, I'm really asking. Like, for you to do anything with God, do you, does it have to be some big old show? Does he have to send you a text message or write on your bedroom wall? Some of you need, to, you need to graduate the maturity of your faith behind always having to have some big sign for God to do something. There's some stuff you ain't got to pray about. Just do it. got to pray about being generous. Should I give? What? Sometimes you ain't got to pray about. Just do it. Right, let me give me a sign. If, if, if she wearing blue shirt with pink polka dots, then I know. She just did it. 
She builds another story. And so Elisha, because she made space for him, he said, what can I do for you? He says, is there anything I can do? Call the servant. Anything we can do? And this woman says, no, I'm good. Nothing. Nothing? No. I'm secure. I'm cool with my family. For you're good? You know why she says she's good. She says she's good the same reason we say we're good. Because when you've been believing for something for so long, it hurts to believe again. You, you get to a place where you say, I just need to be content with where I am. I'm good. I'm comfortable. It's convenient. I'm fine. Dr. King, who we celebrate tomorrow, said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but actually where you stand in moments of challenge and controversy. And I think the greatest challenge that many of us will ever experience is to stretch out again, to trust again. She looked at a prophet and said, I'm fine, but I love Elisha. He wouldn't quit. He said, Gehazi, come here. She told me she's good. She's not good. Gehazi is like, she's not good. I saw her Instagram. I saw her Facebook. <laughs> she don't have no kids and her husband real old. <laughs> she's not good. She's posting, but she's not living what she posting. She is not good. So he calls her back. She comes back, and she's standing in the doorway. Literally says she's standing in the open door. And I love what Elisha does. Let me get my prophet, prophet voice. This time next year, you will be holding a baby boy. I love that. I love that. Not only is it a powerful word from God, look at what he says. This time next year, you will be holding a baby boy. Do you see the power of what Elisha is doing, he did not say to her, this time next year you will be pregnant. Because pregnancy does not guarantee a child. He says, I know your faith has been so fractured that I'm not even going to let you just know you're going to be pregnant because you're going to be stressed the whole pregnancy, wondering if it's going to come to pass. No, I'm going to speak to you a word from God and give you a prophetic picture of your future and tell you that this time next year, you ain't just going to be feeding me, you're going to be feeding a baby boy. This time next year, you ain't just going to have an upper room for me, you're going to paint that thing blue and your baby boy is going to be there. Gave her a picture of the future. You know what he spoke to? Her imagination. We've gone from invitation to perception to action. But she stopped at action. But her action is what accelerated the prophet to speak to her imagination. Have you lost your imagination just to imagine life better? Oh, I don't want to take all your time. Are y'all bored yet? Some of you have got to get your imagination back. Do you know it takes just as much energy to worry as it does to imagine what could be? Knowledge tells you what. I'm telling you, if you have an imagination, it tells you what if. What if? He had to speak to her imagination because she lost it. It is intriguing to me that the reason she didn't ask for a miracle is because she's lost her imagination. Oh, teach the Bible, Robert. Your imagination... And asking are connected. 
I can tell what you're imagining by what you're asking. Have you lost your imagination? I give a scripture to prove that asking and imagination are connected. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3. Come on, this is the verse we shout about. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we, than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. We read that verse for years and we keep shouting about the exceeding more and immeasurably more that we don't realize that ask and imagine are connected. If you can't imagine, you won't even know what to ask for. I know I keep bringing it back to social and to this building, but I feel this thing. Do you know when we first started the Granada Theater, we were asking God to give us the Granada Theater on Greenville Avenue. God opened up a door. Give us up. We were claiming it, Granada in Jesus' name. I mean, I'll still take it. The problem is, problem is, if we got the Granada, that would fit like just this section right here. That's what my faith was at that point. I couldn't see this. So as my imagination has gotten bigger, now I know what to ask for. She lost her imagination, so she didn't even think to ask. She says, oh, no. Oh, no, I'm good. Don't get my hopes up. But I love it because Elijah said it's going to happen anyway. Can I encourage somebody in here today? Some of you don't even have the faith to ask. But God told me to tell you it's going to happen anyway. Some of you are about to step into something that you didn't even ask for. You didn't even know to ask for. But this is the year God is going to give it to you. And it is going to blow your mind. And when it happens, you're going to say, this was not me. Only Jesus could have done this. All of a sudden, because of a word from God, she's holding what she couldn't even imagine. Can you imagine what that was like holding her baby boy? And that was good because there's nothing like possessing the promise. All of a sudden, one day, this boy who has now grown up is out in the field with his father. The only time this boy speaks in the text, he says, my head, my head. It's a headache, but a headache turns into her holding his dead body in her arms. A headache turned to death. Life is crazy. Isn't it crazy how something can go from small to serious in seconds? In seconds. All of a sudden, she is holding her baby boy, but there is no life in his body. The word that she got was, this time next year, you're going to hold the baby boy. That's what kept her through the pregnancy. That's what kept her through the nursing. That's what kept her through the contractions. That's what kept her in the scary moments in the hospital. That's what kept her. I'm going to hold a baby that man of God gave me. And there was joy when she did. My question is, prophet, if you knew I was going to hold a baby boy in my arms alive, why didn't you tell me I was going to hold him in my arms dead? When something started as a headache and it's now gone to death, I wish you would have let me know because I didn't, I didn't ask for Somebody under the sound of my voice is in this place right now. And maybe even mad at God. 
saying, God, if you were going to bless me with the business, why am I bankrupt right now? If you were going to bless me with the marriage, I had the dream wedding. I sure would have liked to know they weren't going to be faithful. Couldn't you have told me that part too? This is where you go from imagination to devastation. Devastation is different than disappointment. Disappointment is I hoped it didn't come to pass. Devastation is I hoped I got it, it came to pass, and I lost it in my arms. I'll be completely transparent with you. I'm going through, we're going through this this space of devastation right now. Many of you have been in on the journey about a year ago. I'm the only person after my father who's been the greatest mentor in my life who pastors a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's on our board here at the church. He sends me a text. I'll never forget it. We were mad at Keandre Nobu eating, and he said, hey, we just got some bad news today. Our daughter Sarah, she was 25 at the time, has been diagnosed with cancer. And for a year, we were believing God and praying and speaking the word of God in faith. I found out this week that Sarah has transitioned and she is in heaven with Jesus celebrating. And yes, that gives our hearts hope. The Bible is clear. We do not grieve as though that don't, those that don't have any hope. But the reality is there's still devastation. Still devastation. I told you last week I had an opportunity to be with her when the hospice was called. And we went and we were just able to sing. And she would still worship. She was a worshiper. She was still worshiping even when she could barely get the breath in her body to worship. Her name is Sarah. I think they have a picture of her. This is Sarah. And Sarah, believe it or not, when she was in the hospital, she said, she woke up one day. My mentor called me and said, guess what Sarah said today? I said, what? He said, Sarah said, I want to go to social Dallas. And when Sarah was going in and out of treatments, I would tell her, I said, Sarah, you're going to come to social Dallas and you're going to lead worship. I told her, I said, you're going to come. I said, we got to have you come. we got to have you lead worship. And so I want to keep my word today. Because here's what this woman did. To me, she's a picture of the strength of Sarah. Because it is possible to have devastation and hope in the same moment. It is possible to have devastation and still trust and believe God in the same space. This woman did it. She carried her dead boy into a room, shut the door, goes downstairs, tells her husband, everything is fine. Runs to Elisha, because you got to run to the one that started it. Gets to his assistant, Gehazi. She says, how are you? Everything good? She says, everything is all right. It is well with my soul. How can you do that? It might not be all right now, but it will be all right. It's going to be all right because I know who has the final say. I know it's going to be all right because earth is not the end. Earth is a comma. There is an eternity. She said, it's going to be all right. So you can live with devastation and hope. This woman did it. And so today as we close, I want to keep my word and have a video of Sarah leading worship of her singing these words I know it is well my God did not fail and I want her to lead us today in worship 
matters what story you tell. Even in devastation, it matters what story you tell. God didn't fail. He didn't. I watched Sarah sing that through chemo. I watched her sing it in her last moments. She said, because I'm not going to tell the story of just cancer. I'm going to tell the story of a God who's still faithful. She still believed he's a healer. And guess what? She is healed. Not here on earth. She's healed in heaven. Doesn't take away the pain. Doesn't take away the devastation. But don't be stuck on one story. Even if you didn't ask for it. Even if you didn't ask for the story that you have, you can choose how you tell it. You can tell the faithfulness of God. Do what this Shunammite woman did. She held on to Elisha. When you're in devastation, you got to run to the one that started it. She would not let him go. She brought him back to the place where it started. Elisha goes in the room and shuts the door. I don't know why God didn't heal Sarah here. I don't know why what you're facing hasn't changed or what pain you're going through. There's some things we just don't know. Learn to cling to what I do know, not focus on what I don't. I don't know why when Elisha sent Gehazi ahead with his staff and he put it on the boy, it didn't work. Even the prophet of God didn't know what to do. He's in the room with the door shut with the boy who is stretched out dead on the bed. He's the prophet of God. He doesn't know what to do. He starts praying and pacing, and finally, he stretches his body out over that boy face to face, eye to eye, mouth to mouth, stretched out. And when he did it, the boy got warm. It didn't work the first time. He started pacing and praying. He stretches out again sneezes seven times and comes back to life I don't know why it didn't work with the staff I don't know why it didn't work the first time he stretched out I do know that the Old Testament is a shadow of what Jesus is in the New Testament and I love that I have a Savior that even when prophets and Moses who had a staff that he stretched out and did great miracles when none of those would work. What did our Savior do? He came down from heaven to earth and he stretched himself out on a cross and he defeated death with finality. Do you realize when Elijah was stretched out over that boy, he stretched out his life over that boy's death? Do you realize from the vantage point of God, when he looked down, he could not see that boy? All he saw was Elisha stretched out over that dead body. This is what Jesus did for you and I. He stretched himself out on a cross. He knew no sin, but he became sin. So when the father looked down, he did not see Robert's sin. He didn't see Taylor's sin. He didn't see your sin. He just saw the father stretched out and covered, and that's why we can go from devastation to resurrection and restoration. This is the hope that we have. This is the hope that God restores. Yes, the boy was brought back to life, but he died again. She still buried that boy one day. Our only hope is that this earth is not the final say. And it's all because of a Savior who came face to face, mouth to mouth, 
eye to eye with sin and death and he conquered that's what I'll cling to I didn't ask for this but I'm going to tell the story of God's faithfulness and as every head be bowed eyes be closed today Father I thank you that you never fail God I do not want to give pat answers or belittle pain and death and loss and devastation. It hurts. It hurts to go from imagination manifesting the devastation. God, we choose to cling to what we do know. God, you never promised us that we wouldn't have loss. You never promised us that we wouldn't experience pain. You never promised us that we wouldn't have trials or tribulations that stretch us. Oh, but you did promise that you'll never leave us and forsake us. So we cling to what we know. Cling to what we know. We didn't ask for it, but we'll tell the story of your faithfulness. Heads about eyes are closed today, but if you're here today, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what the pain is. Maybe God's speaking to you today that there's still an opportunity for you to tell another story. Maybe you didn't ask for your story, but you can still tell the story of God's faithfulness. You didn't ask for the divorce. You didn't ask for them to leave you, but you can tell the story that as a single mom, God sustained you and held you up. You can tell the story, the goodness of God. You didn't ask for the bankruptcy. You didn't ask for the financial hardship. You didn't ask for your business to be shut down, but you can tell a different story that even when I didn't know what to do, he really was Jehovah Jireh. No, I didn't make what I used to make, but man, I'm still here. I'm still a living, breathing miracle. That's the story we'll tell. If you're here today, you'd be so honest that maybe you're having trouble telling the story of God's faithfulness. I do believe that God wants to give you strength Today, you can't do it in your own strength to tell the story of his goodness and to worship even in the midst of the pain. Bessie, would you lift up your hand just high enough and long enough to where I can see it saying, I need supernatural strength in the midst of devastation to tell the story of his faithfulness. My God did not fail. Yes, I got devastation, but it is well with my soul may not even be well in my body. It is well with my soul, but I still have expectation for him to heal my body. I can live with both of those realities. Anybody else? God, thank you for every hand that is lifted. Father, thank you that your strength, your life, God, your resurrection power comes to them today. God, I thank you that there is absolutely nothing that is too far gone. God, we will not allow our experiences and our circumstances to reduce our expectation for what you are able to do. So, Holy Spirit, would you breathe a fresh wind, a fresh wind of resurrection in this place today to hope again and trust again and believe again. It is well. It's not all right, but I will be all right because my story is not finished. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, man, I would love to give you that opportunity. 
I say it almost every week at social, you can always come home. I don't know, maybe you experienced devastation in the past and has made you turn away from God and he's calling you home today. Saying, I know it was painful and you turned away from me, but I promise you I'm never going to leave you. I'm not finished with your story. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to him, today is your day. I don't care what you've done, what you've been in. I don't care how dirty, how grimy, how scandalous. God's grace will reach you and meet you wherever you are. If that's you today, say, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. Would you lift up your hand high enough and long enough to where I can see it? Say, today, today, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see people even in the back lifting up their hands. Thank you, Jesus. This is your homecoming today. This is your homecoming. Your spirit's been dead, but today, by the power of Jesus Christ, is coming back to life. Whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. This is your moment to say, Lord, I am coming home today, 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 today. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Come on, I don't care how far you got to walk. It's worth the walk today. Come on, church, I wish you would rejoice like you knew God is doing something. That dead things are coming back to life today. Come on, anybody else? It's not too far to walk. This is your day of resurrection. Okay, what you've been through, what you've gone through. This is a Savior who is always inviting. It's always saying you can come. Can we just lift up our hands as a sign of surrender today? We're all going to pray it, but especially those of you who've responded, just say, Jesus, my hands are lifted. I'm stretched out because I surrender. I surrender to you. God, thank you. You can do anything but fail. You are faithful. You're a God who still does miracles. So today... I surrender all of me for all of you. I believe that you, Jesus, are the Son of God. You died for me, and you got up from the grave for me. So today I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Make me brand new from this moment forward. I'm walking with you. Thank you for a new story. Thank you for a new story. In Jesus' name, amen. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.